Welcome to Sunburnt Country Music, interviews with Australian country music artists. My name is Sophie and I have been interviewing Australian country music artists for over a decade and I still love it. I love their stories, I love their insights and I love their music. So I hope you enjoy hearing from them on this podcast. James Johnston's debut album, Raised Like That, made history. As Australia's largest debut country album, it reached number one on the ARIA Top 20 Australian Albums All Genres chart, number one on the ARIA Top 20 Australian Country Albums chart, probably debuted in those spots. I actually didn't double check, but I'm pretty sure it would have. James has also spent over 115 consecutive weeks in the Top 20 of the Country Hot 50 National Airplay chart, He's had over 55 million global streams, delivered six number one airplay hits, received two Golden Guitar Awards out of six nominations, and he's played many festivals. So there is obviously a lot to talk to him about. Hello, James Johnston. G'day. It's good to be good to be back on. It's good to be back, which is actually one of the name of one of there your you tracks. I've, I've got it in a question. Um, <laughs> but, uh, congratulations on the album, which um, is a big project at 20 Songs. And it's also big in scope and themes and subjects I found. And I know from interviewing you when your first single was released that you had written dozens of songs before you released any. So I'm wondering if if a lot or most of the songs on this album are from that cache of songs that you wrote a while ago. Um, there was a lot of songs. So I think my Dropbox had 400 songs that I'd written when I started the process to colour down. Um, so there's a lot of, lot of songs on there. And, and it's funny because not... There's songs that will still be released at some stage. I just didn't feel they were the right song for this album. You know, it's funny now I'm like I'm into this idea of thinking about the next chapter and, and there's songs that have been sitting there for five years. I'm like, oh, this could be part of the next chapter. But um, I just really, I love the idea that an album represents something, you know, and, and, and it's and it's bigger than just the sum of, it's just not just individual songs. It's So I think Ray's like that being the single and the title of the track, I wanted the songs to fit under that banner. And there's so many different stories that fall under that banner, you know. But I, I think the idea of being, you know, it's 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 the hometown proud thing. It's it's the it's the stories, it's the place, but it's a lot of the ideas and, and the the values around mm-hmm. being raised country. Um and I really wanted that those ideas to kind of be a through line through this whole record. Yeah. And it is a really rich album. The first, I, and I noticed it from the first time I listened to it. So it wasn't just a, a case of going, "Oh, these are all great songs." You know, some of them are familiar, some of them are new. They're all, they all got great melodies. They're catchy. It's actually this is there is this is rich. There are layers in the way you've constructed the album as a whole, um, and it's really rich with stories and experiences as well. So there's this full spectrum thing going on. So when you were culling those songs down, and obviously by the sound of it, you recorded not, didn't just write more. You recorded more than you put on the album. Did you look at it as like a whole end to end experience and think, what colors do I want to put put in here, for lack of a better term? A hundred percent. I spend a ungodly amount of time thinking about flow and when I do that when it comes to my show my live show and I think about it when it comes to my album I spend a huge amount of time just getting consumed with how something feels the ups and downs the ebbs and flows Mm -hmm. the journey that it something takes you on and I've never had to do that for an album this has been my first time but you know sometimes I'll spend a week doing that for my live show you know and I will sit there and I'll tweak it and I'll think what can I change and I really diving deep about what's this experience where's the ups and downs where's the moments that you you know where's the moments that you're singing your heart out where's the moments that you want to cry like what's the ups and downs and that was a big part of creating this record I wanted it to be a journey I wanted 
feel like you wanted to dance at some points and other moments really reflect on your story or somebody else's story. And I wanted it to be a journey. And when you get to the end of that journey, you feel proud of, you know, if, if you've had shared experiences through some of those songs that you feel proud that, that, that you've had those experiences that you, that you, you know, you are, you know, associated with that country way of life and those values and those ideas. And um, I think I pulled that from some of my favorite records. You know, I love, I grew up with like Garth Brooks. I thought Garth Brooks always used to be the master of that. He'd take you on a journey through the record. And um, for me, that was really important. Yeah. Um, now you've talked about, you know, Raised Like That as the as the title of the album and a track and also the banner under which a lot of this sits. And it is an origin story as is Country Boys. And some of your singles have been like origin stories. But I, the two songs that really hit me, and you're probably going to guess what they are because, and they still do every time I listen to the album, This Land Is Killing Me and Worth Its Weight in Gold, Mm-hmm. Are two songs that really just always make me stop. Uh, and I'm wondering if those two are also close to your experiences of growing up on the land. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I I grew up in a community that was very much a farming industry when it when I was growing up, you know, kind of go back 30 years ago. It was dairy farms were the, the, you know, the backbone of our, our community. And my folks sold tractors for a living. So, you know, selling tractors, servicing tractors, we were like really rooted into that community. And, and it changed a lot. You know, there was things that happened. There was deregulation. And I think the late 90s, early 2000s, um, that just destroyed that industry. You know, we went from, say, my folks selling to 80% of their, their industry was to small business, like small farms running small operations. They'd sell, you know, the tractor that would be that tractor for the next 30 years for them. Yeah. That just all went away and it ended up becoming, you know, a lot of Sydney money came in, it became hobby farmers and the actual, the industry that was so massive around that community that was just decimated. So those ideas of like worth its weight in gold, like somebody coming in to buy a property that doesn't really know the true value of the land because it's been in the family for generations, but they're forced to sell that land because they can't survive on the land. They can't run their little business anymore. Mm-hmm. Or this land is killing me, which is, you know, just about the droughts and the banks after them, you know, coming after the property and all that sort of stuff. Like that's just real stuff that was so real for so many people growing up in that community. Um, so, you know, my folks grow up on a farm. We had experiences like that, but a lot of those stories are just kind of bigger than just my story. You know, they're, they're kind of representative of like the community that I grew up in and the community that I knew. And then now, you know, gosh, it's either we're in drought or flood or fire every year so you know it's there's so many people out in the land that are just living this on a daily basis and um i think i wanted to make i want to write music that's not that i pull from my experiences but bigger than than myself yeah you can also really hear in how you've sung those two songs the emotion of it and so you talking about you know this is decades ago when you when you were around this activity or at least for the first time growing up with it so it's almost as if or it is, it is that, that you've not just had that memory, like the memory of the details of what happened. It's actually the emotion of experiencing it or at least being able to connect to the emotion of people who experienced it. So for you in the studio, is there a process of, of actually sort of inhabiting that experience emotionally so you can convey it vocally? A hundred percent. Yeah, I, I really, especially songs like that, I just close my eyes and I just put myself into that that song and to be that character, you know, this worth its weight in gold is, is the story of a man coming to, you know, the farmer's front door and, and just, and you're going, I don't want, you know, and I, I was putting my, it's a first person perspective, but 
you know, this is not something that I'm living right now, but my family have lived a version of that. I know people that have lived a version of that. So I put myself in that person's shoes and what does that feel like? And, you know, when I sing about come inside, I've got things to tell you. Like I'm picturing my grandparents' property and I, I know those photos on the wall and when I'm and I'm pointing at them and I know what they look like. And, you know, I think those memories especially it's funny, Worth is Waiting Gold was interesting because I've lost a few of my grandparents in the last six months um, and I think a lot of that song was tied to that property for me and I see some of my grandparents. I lost my mum's nan and pop. I lost my grandma only about a month ago and so much of the emotion that I just pull from now when I'm performing it or when I was recording it, it just like takes me back to that place and, and I can just see that 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 spot, that house, that, that room and... Um, yeah, I try and put that into the performance. That's a lot of people to lose in a short span of time, James. So just yeah. to, to express that, um, while you continue to deliver music to the people, that's that's quite extraordinary to do. Um, a, a complete change of tone, though, is the latest single, which is Something's Never Changed with Zach and George. And, uh, you know, they're a fun-loving duo from the Riverina. I'm wondering how you <laughs> came to work with them. I, I love those boys. I have just... There's people that you meet that you just connect with. I literally got off the phone to George about 20 minutes ago and he's teaching me how to set up track system. And then what, what I love about it is that I called him a month ago and I taught him how to run his whole system run, for running his shows. And then I got stuck and he called me and then he was showing me how to fix mine. So, And I feel like that's a good representation of our relationship. We've just become really good mates and we're on the same kind of journey together. And, you know, we we just kind of get each other. We, and we, you know, George coming from the country, growing up in the land, you know, we have a very similar upbringing. Our family situation is very similar. So it's um, that, and they're talking about the song and something's never changed. I feel like it's been such an organic, natural thing for that to kind of come to life, you know, because we've just connected so well. We've only known each other for a year, which it's crazy. We feel like we've known each other forever, but you know, over that time, we've just become really close friends and now we're just, you know, through the music, through tr- touring together, it just all feels really natural. Yeah. Um, well, that suggests to me that there may be future collaborations with that pair, but um, part of the challenge, I guess, for you, or at least the challenge that I perceive selecting singles from this album is that they could actually all be singles and it's the rare album <laughs> where you listen to 20 tracks and think, well, any one of these could go to radio. So how do you actually choose from this point on? Because now the album's out, I imagine you are thinking there might be some more singles. Is it eeny, meeny, miny, mo? What is the process? <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to spend more time doing that. I, I have a shock. I'll tell you right now, I am shocking for one thing, and, and I am a project guy. Like I love, I will call up my manager, I'll call up my team, and I'll say, i got this idea. And they go, what's the idea, James? And I'm like, it's the best idea I've ever come up with in my life. I'm going to do this thing. And it's 20 tracks and I create the album. So, but once I've done it, I'm just like, all right, I've done that. What's the next thing? So my my problem is that I like now the album's out. I'm like, I love making it. It was a mammoth task getting it out and doing it. But I'm back in the studio writing songs again. So I'm going to be honest, I don't know what's going to be the next thing. It might be something that I write tomorrow is the honest <laughs> truth. I, I and, and it's, it's kind of cool about this career, and I talk about this career being my career and the, the way that I've built it because different careers get built in different ways, but, you know, still being completely independent. Mm-hmm. Like, we just get to do stuff. that, we, for, Like, an example, yesterday I called up 
Bo, my manager, and I said, I got this idea. How about we make a country girl can, a video clip from a country girl can? And if you follow me on TikTok, you'll see that yesterday I posted this. That decision was made yesterday. Like that, like when, or whenever I post, yesterday or the day before, I get lost with the days. But whenever that decision was made, it was about a couple of hours before that video was posted. And I said, let's make a video clip and it, all the country girls can put their videos and that'll be great. Let's just do that. And um, I love that that's, that's the way I kind of run my career. It's just like, and people think that we've got this massive strategy sometimes and we've, it's all calculated. And the truth is that sometimes it's just, we're pulling it out of our ass and we're just giving it a crack and, and it's great and it's worked. And like, I think, yes, this morning I checked, we've had like a thousand videos from all these country girls that are like posting all these videos about their life. And I'm like, well, that was super cool. Let's like that work, you know, and that's, <laughs> that's amazing. And then it's been incredible. And it's, you know, I could never have made something as good as what all these girls are making. I could have gone out and tried a video and tried to like, you know, film it and have actors or whatever. Yeah. And it would never have been as cool as what they're, they're doing. So I love that, you know, there's, my career is people ask me what I'm doing. I'm like, I don't know. Ask me tomorrow. It might, it might change tomorrow and we'll, we'll try something new. And I'll point out for anyone who's listening who isn't aware that the song, same songs that you recorded with Kaylee Bell was a TikTok generated creation. You basically put that out on social media. It's like, right, well, who should I collaborate with? And and uh, why don't you tell me the ideas you have in, for lyrics? And lo and behold, it was a song. It, it's like, I love it. I, I love the, the un the unknown and the, the fact that, as I said, it's an independent artist thing. I think if I was with a big label, it has to go through all these people and everyone has to tick it and approve it. And I'm like, I can be honest, I don't really want to do that. I like that we just get to just do whatever we want, whenever we want, and it's kind of cool. And, and um, yeah, I don't know what tomorrow will hold. Like I, I posted up a TikTok a couple of weeks ago asking if Cooper Allen wants to do a song with me and, you know, we'll see if that comes off. I don't know, like that, that might happen. It might not, but, like, why not give it a crack, you know? Like we'll see. Exactly. And yeah. And so as you mentioned, you're an independent artist. Um, and that's, that's extraordinary, actually, considering the enterprise that is James Johnston now and what you've achieved in, in quite a short space of time. I think being independent means you could have 20 songs on the album. If you'd been with the label, they probably would have cut that in half, but you can have the length you want. Um, being independent, obviously would come with its challenges, because you do have to be the CEO of James Johnston, as well as being the artist. But clearly, it does suit you. Yeah, like I'm really lucky. I've got so my manager Bo is like we are a team, like absolutely, you know. And it's the two of us that are running the ship, you know, simultaneously. And we both talk many times a day. And there are certain things that he handles, and I handle certain things. And it's just, um, but it's a small, really small team, you know, very small. We we you know we have Jules helps us out with the radio stuff. Like we've got a few people that help us out, but at the core of it, it's just it's me and him that kind of do a lot of the work and um i don't know i i as i grew up in, with a small business family and that was just that's what it was that's that was the life it was it was everything was built off a handshake agreement and it was and if you if there was a job that needed to be done there was no one to do it you just get on and get it done and that was like i just grew up with that mentality and i think i treat my career very much the same like i don't rely on anybody else to like make things happen for me it's just i just if, if it needs to be done I'll do it and as I said it's there's no there's no I'm often up early in the morning building websites or coming up with things or or everything and I like that that suits me it, it, it's it's kind of my nature is I like kind of being pushed and pulled and trying a million different things and then I get to 
it's not just I love writing songs, I love performing, but I love creating the music. I love coming up with the marketing or how we're going to sell the idea or the social media. Like I like all that. I like that I get to be pulled in a million different ways. Yeah. Well, then you are in the perfect place for you. So exactly. working. Um, but back to the substance of the album, because um, I have more questions. The the balance on this album is that I think there's light and dark, there's good and bad, but the underlying theme for me is the reward that comes from really paying attention to life, to what's going on around you and appreciating what you have. I think in that's the thread that I can perceive in all these songs because there's so much detail and and the way you've sung the songs, you're so present in the material. So they are songs of detail and not broad strokes um, is, is another way of putting it. I'm wondering if you've always had that appreciation for detail and for life, really. Yeah, I think I'm definitely what you call like a glass half full sort of person. Um, I, I, the way I describe it, my dad really instilled this into me. He said, he said, notice the roofs on the houses. And what that meant to me was just like, look up. Don't be looking down. Everyone's looking down. But notice when somebody's got a new roof on their house because if you notice that, you're looking up. You're not looking down at the road. And I've always liked that. I always liked that there's there's optimism. And, and my, I said, I definitely, my dad is an eternal optimist. It doesn't matter what he's going through. Like, and my dad's been through hell. He really has. He's, he's things that people couldn't imagine that there's some of the, the, the things that he's been through. But he's just always maintained to be an incredible optimist and for me I think that idea and that reflection through this album is this like there is going to be hard times it's not not always easy but when it's all said and done we're lucky to be living this life we're lucky for what we've got even if we don't have a lot we're lucky that for, for that and you know it can always you know the glass half full thing and I think as a person I think that's uh, it wasn't a super intentional thing it's funny that that I say that it wasn't a super intentional thing for the record for that to be the way it is, but I think as a person I'm a little bit like that. Yeah, and it's certainly not something that's that's directly there, if you know what I mean. It was just in listening to the collection of songs, I was thinking, yeah, I think what I'm picking up is is a good sense of you as a person, So, which you've just confirmed that that's, you know, from what your father said when you were young. Um, and I also remember from the first time I interviewed you thinking you had such a clear sense of who you were as an artist but also a really clear sense of how you wanted to communicate and I think who you were communicating too and yeah. you obviously honed that over years because you played a lot of small venues, small crowds. I remember you saying to me sometimes it was the bar staff. So I, I just have this, this idea of you just starting as a younger man and really just over time honing, honing, honing that sense of what you wanted to do, who you wanted to be and who you wanted to connect with. And I think that's really clear on the album that you're, you're connect, you are connecting to people and I'm sure they're, they've given you that feedback. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And that, that idea is really true. I, I want to, I want to, I want to actually ha- say something. I, I, I want it to not just be like, it was funny. I literally just got off the phone call and I was chatting to, I said, I was chatting to George about this and talking about like the difference between writing songs that are just good songs. But then like, is it the song that, is it my song? You know, like, and I write a lot of songs and sometimes I, I write a song and I'll show it to a bunch of people like, that's amazing. But I'm like, I don't think it represents me. Like it's, I, I, even, though I, I, even though I wrote it, I think it's for somebody else. But I, I, I think it's a great song, but I think it's for somebody else. But I think I, I want to like stand for something, you know. Are you giving those songs to other people when they like that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like absolutely. I'm like I'm super open. Often like 
I'll just I'll write something and I'll send it to somebody. I'm like, hey, what do you think of this song? And I've got a buddy of mine recording one of my songs at the moment because I literally mm-hmm. just sent it to him and said, I got this song I wrote seven years ago, but I think it's great. I think it suits you. And and he wrote and he listened to it. And he's like, ah, that's the song I've been looking for, which is cool. So there are these other James Johnson songs running around out there that we <laughs> that we don't. There know. is, yeah. You just got to look at the credits. Look at the credits. You never know. <laughs> Um, I'm curious about the timing of the release of the album because I I would imagine you could have released it earlier. You, you know, these singles were going gangbusters. Um, there would have been a point there where you could have thought, oh, let's get an album out right now. But did you consciously wait or was it just, oh, I'm, I'm too busy to get this album out right now. I've got all this stuff going on. It's interesting. I wanted to give every song in the early days space. Right. So I wanted to, and that's and that's interesting. It's, it's like space. It's time to like create connection to that song. It's promoting it. It's all the things that go with it. So in the early days, I think it was like three months. Every three months we were dropping a song. So I wanted when somebody comes to my concert that they know, you know, it's it's the, it's kind of, I guess you call it like diehard fans that will know the album cuts, mm-hmm. right? But that's not everybody. And there's, I, but so when I go to a festival, I want there's a good five or six songs that people know in that crowd. Right. The other ones, there's like maybe... 20, 30% of the crowd will not because they love my record and they've been listening to it and they, they really buy in. And I love that. But the truth is that a lot of people don't consume music like that and they, they just want to be like, what's the latest thing they're listening to? Do I like it? Don't I like it? It's, it's, it's about as deep as that. So for me, I wanted to make those first songs, you know, just reach as big audience as I can and just, you know, be the best thing as I can. I also didn't want to like spend a long time just working on each song. You know, some of those songs that I released in the early days, like there's one, like we grew up on, I produced that three times and I demoed it three times. So I demoed it myself three times, rewrote it a bunch of times and then produced it once in Melbourne, produced it once in Nashville and then finally produced it the third time was what you hear on the record. Like there was, so that I spent so long because I just didn't feel it and it just kept going. I was like, I don't feel it. I don't feel it. I feel it. So, and that was pretty common, like same songs. Like I think the vocals on that were tracked three different times I flew to Sydney three times and the producers normally at that point want to kill me because I'm just like, it can be better. And like, I remember same songs. It was a week before that song was coming out. Not a, before, sorry, before it was supposed to be delivered to the distributors and before it kind of goes into the system to be pushed out to the world. And I just said, the bridge is not right. And it needs a breakdown chorus. And I remember like, Bo was like, it's not like, it's good enough. It's not. I'm like, no. And I call my producer and said, I'm flying to Sydney and he, and Bo's like, you're just spending money on it now. I'm like, no, because it can be better. I know it could be better. I'm like, just working on it. I flew back to Sydney, worked on it. We changed it. And then I sent it to him. And he's like, it's a lot better. I'm like, I told you. I knew it was a lot better. So it's funny. So I I think in the early days, I think that process worked well for me because I just dug in really deep to make that song win as best as possible and sometimes spent too much time, too much money to, to do that, to be honest. But you know, I guess it paid off. What's interesting about that process is that you obviously know the song itself, you know, the, the core of what's going on there is worth pursuing because some people might get to that process of remaking it, reproducing it, thinking, ah, not working, I'm, I'm throwing it out. But you're committed to the song. And do you then rely on just instinct in terms of how it's sounding and you're thinking, you know, I don't, I'm not feeling it? Like is there some, is, is it really just an instinctual process? You think that's not right and I'm just going to keep going till I get it right? There's a couple of elements to it. So I demo nearly everything that I do myself. So I produce it to the best of my ability, right? So I'll write a song. Let's say I write it acoustically. 
I'll then spend a day or two producing it myself. And I get it to a point where when I show somebody that it makes them feel something, makes me feel something. That's the first thing. But then I'll show it to a group of people and they go and they feel something. Right. But I am not a good enough producer to make it like radio ready, but I can still capture a feeling. I can still make it like feel good, but it just doesn't have that polish to be ready for the radio. Mm. So then once I've felt it with an acoustic guitar, I've made other people feel it with my demo. Then I get it produced. I'm chasing that feeling constantly. And if I often like, I I know when I won't get it right because I'll show the produced version and they're like, oh yeah, sounds good. But I really loved the demo. And I'm like, okay, so, well, then that's not right. You got to dig in, you got to dig in more. And it's like, and it said, as I said, we grew up on was exactly like that. I think I produced it three times. The demo made people feel something. I had a lot of people being like, I love that song. It feels great. It's one of my favorite ones you've done. And then I produced it first time. They're like, ah, oh, yeah, I think I prefer the demo. Second time, same thing. Third time, they're like, ah, oh, you finally captured it. And, and that took like, you know, going to Nashville, recording it with a live band, doing the whole thing. And mm-hmm. yeah, I pull my hair out. It, it's sometimes... It, incredibly painful process and some days i wish i could just like i'm like i wish this was easier i wish i just produced it it came back sounded exactly like i wanted and i'm done but until it makes you feel something it's like don't worry about putting it out because it will do nothing a good song or a great song will do a lot a good song will do nothing and it's and it's like you can do you know if it doesn't make you feel something it doesn't make other people feel something like you know, you can put a whole lot of effort into something and if it doesn't make you feel it, don't bother putting it out. So that's how I feel, at least anyway. And until it until it does that thing, mm-hmm. then uh, just dig in and keep working until you find that. I think it's also, you know, your commitment to want the best for the song. You know, you just, you've, you, again, back to that commitment to the core of the song, you know it's a great song, you've got to do the best by it and you also want to do the best by your audience. Yeah, and I think I know that from just sitting there with an acoustic guitar. If the songs, if the song is that, then it's like, if I can. But that process of them producing it and doing all the rest of it, it's um, yeah, it takes a long time to to really figure that out sometimes because sometimes you can you have a really good feel with an acoustic guitar and then you produce it and it just completely wrecks it. You know, it's so. It's so interesting. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, now, you had an extraordinary almost two years um, because you, you had a run of singles out and then you had six Golden Guitar nominations, which was the most number of nominations for the, the awards earlier this year. And then you headlined Trek, which is the largest venue at the Tamworth Country Music Festival, largest venue in Tamworth. Again, no album. It was off the back of singles and the audience that you'd grown. Um, I remember not being at all surprised by any of that. <laughs> But I'm wondering if you were surprised by the Golden Guitar nominations or or any of it, because it was a short span of time. Just in case people hadn't realised, there was you put putting singles out. Often someone won't have a headline show at the Trek until they've had like a couple of albums and a few other tours and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, like I was definitely first off the, the Golden Guitar is 100 percent surprised because nobody even told me that I'd put like. So I didn't handle like I'm one thing I'm not good is I'm not good at like the paperwork and all the religious like that is just not me. I'm I'm my mind runs at a million miles an hour most of the time and sitting down and doing that stuff is just not for me. So Bo did all that and he submitted all the songs for the golden guitars. He didn't tell me he did any of that. So all he told me was like, hey, at nine o'clock, just tune into the Tamworth Country Music Awards thing. 
So I'm sitting there going, yeah, and I'm like, I'm getting ready. And I'm like, I honestly hadn't like put that much thought into it. And then I like the first one comes up and I'm on there. I'm like, I'm on the first one. And then the second one, the third one, and the fourth one, I think the, the first four, I was like in the awards. And I'm like freaking out because I'm like here trying to get my kids ready to go to school and everything like that. And I was not ready for it. So that was, that was kind of cool. And then I think um, the trek, the trek was terrifying. That was the scariest moment in my career up to date was putting those tickets on sale. Not the performing. The performing was like, I was like, wait, let's do this. But actually like putting my first ticketed concert on sale and deciding that we're going to do it at the biggest venue in Tamworth um, was absolutely terrifying. I, 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 like when I say that, it's like people talk about it being exciting. I was so nervous that morning and I was, I was at a songwriting camp and I just couldn't focus on anything. And I was just so nervous because I was like, you know, in the first, you know, in the first 10 minutes, if it's going to work, right? Like you, you truly do. So how many tickets you sell? And like, I could see the updates coming through. And um, I think we had a thousand pre-sale tickets that we had to sell was the, was the aim. Hmm. And I'd never sold a ticket before in my entire life. Like never, I've done festivals, but that the onus is not on me to sell a ticket at that. You know, it's like I perform, they book me, and all the ticketing that's handed. That's not our responsibility. Um, and I and I was seeing the updates, and like ten minutes in, there was like three hundred tickets sold, like four hundred, five hundred, six hundred. Then we got to like fifty minutes, and it was like a thousand tickets sold. And we 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 stopped pre-sale, and I was like, I just couldn't believe it. Like I was I was on cloud nine because. I really, I thought we might have sold, you know, like I had no idea. I was like, imagine if we put this t- this thing on sale at the track and we sold like 50 tickets and the whole thing's a big failure and like we've, we've tried it. Um, so, yeah, that was that was stressful. Exciting, very exciting, <laughs> but very stressful at the same time. How was the show in the end? <laughs> it was phenomenal, amazing. Like the my favourite show that I've ever done because there is an energy of your own show that is just like, as it, you talk about, I talk about at a festival, you know, there might be hundred percent of people, you know, maybe 80, 90% will know Ray's like that, or maybe same songs. And then there's like 20% or 30% that are core that will listen to the, the back catalog of songs. Right. Whereas at your own gig, that ratio is completely different. You know, like people are listening to the album, they're getting excited. They'll, they'll listen to the songs coming up to the concert. So it was like it was phenomenal, and I'm so excited. Like I start my tour in a week's time, and just to know that we're doing that with that sort of energy, it's yeah, it's so good. Yes, you do have some some of your own shows coming up: Wollongong, Tamworth, back to Tamworth, Rockhampton, Townsville, and Sunshine Coast. But I bet there have been some complaints about the places you are not playing because that's only five dates. So are you thinking that you might um you might add some dates next year? Definitely, definitely. Yeah, we, we're just taking in bite-sized chunks a little bit because, um, as I said, we're, there's, there's a couple of reasons for it. One being like we're still talking about we're a really small team. So for us to put shows on at this kind of scale, you know, these are big entertainment centre shows. So um, it takes a lot. So we're kind of learning at the same time. You know, I, I talk about my manager. He's the one that's running this whole thing. You know, it's and it, he's wearing a hat that, that normally – 10 people would wear and he's kind of doing it most himself. So we're just figuring a lot of this out as we go and we're just trying to do it differently. And um, so once we've done these shows and we've delivered these shows the best way that we can, you know, next year I'm definitely going to open up. We want to travel all around the country and take this experience all around the country. Um, 
but it's just been doing it in little incremental steps. So we, because as I said, we're, we're both just figuring it all out as we go. To you. <laughs> Doesn't look like it from this side of things, but I, but I imagine, yes, you know, it is your first album and the first tour you put together. Now, one of the songs on the album is Good To Be Back, but I imagine that increasingly you're going to find it hard to get back either home or to where you grew up. Um, so how how are you thinking you're going to maintain balance in your life, I guess? Is it is it making sure you have time for creativity for songwriting is it making sure you have time with your family and, and actually planning all of that or are you just going to go for it as much as you can um it's I've definitely learned I've got to be fairly deliberate about my time otherwise it just gets swallowed up um I said before I started any of this career before I didn't release race like that or anything that that I want to bring my family on the journey and so they come with me on a lot of gigs so they um like Wollongong like we'll all fly down first thing Friday morning, they'll all come with me and like, and it's, it is, it's stressful. Like I've got a two-year-old toddler that's like freaking out on a plane and screaming his head off. Like it's not, it's not an easy decision and it's for, for me or any of us to do this. But at the same time, it's like, I don't want to live two separate lives of like my family's life and my life, you know? So we just try and juggle it as best as possible. You know, the second week of tour, my my mum and dad are coming to look after the boys for two days. My wife's coming to Rockhampton and Townsville, and then we're all meeting up back in Brisbane, and we're staying staying together for two days with all my family and the kids. And so we we really prioritise that in a big way to to make it not just my experience and my you know tour and journey. It's like it's exciting thing for the kids to be a part of. It's exciting thing for my wife to be a part of. Like we're all in this together, and um, yeah, it's uh, I'm as I said, it's not always the easiest thing to juggle those two worlds. But I think it's really important that I do make that a really big priority. Mm-hmm. Well, people can see you on tour. Are you going to Tamworth at all? Because you're playing about to play Tamworth, so I imagine you may not be backing up for Tamworth during the festival. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be in Tamworth for the awards and everything like that, but probably not. I'm not putting on my own show in Tamworth this year. Yeah. Um, well, people will have to catch you before the end of the year, which is when you're playing there. And in the meantime, they can listen to Rays Like That, which is just such a great album. I'm listening to it constantly. Um, James, as ever, so interesting to talk to you. Thank you very, very much for your time. Thanks so much for the chat. Thanks for listening to the Sunburnt Country Music Podcast. For more Australian country music interviews and reviews and other things, go to sunburntcountrymusic.com or to Sunburnt Country Music on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok.